0: Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's Sermon Podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy I was talking to to Pastor Nate this week and I thought, you know, they may they may revolt, but I was thinking all the teenagers should have come up on the steps here and we could have prayed for them and That would have been pretty fun, but I don't think any of them would have come up here, so that's, there we go. Well, I'm Greg Clark. I'm the the lead pastor, and I'm excited to see you here today. So welcome. If you're here uh, in the building with us, for those of you that are watching at home or uh, listening to this later in this week, welcome uh, to you as well. Today's a good day. Uh, You likely know this also, but today is also the anniversary of uh, the terrorist attacks on 9-11. Uh, so it was 21 years ago that that happened. That seems like a long time ago. It feels like it was just yesterday. I remember where I was on September 11th, 2001. I was in um, my little. We, we lived in a small little apartment, just Farrell and I. And uh, we, I was going, getting ready to go to work, and I had it up on, I had the TV on, and it looked like I was watching a movie. When I saw one of the planes crash into one of the twin towers, it was a crazy thing. It was shocking to say the least. My thought was, how could something like this happen in the heart of the mighty and powerful U.S. of A? You, you likely know I'm an American, and so uh, I was in Canada when this happened, and you know I quickly tried to get in touch with my mother, who was in Florida, and, and my father in California, and see how they were doing with all this, but it was shocking. While terrorism exists in the world, Certainly myself and many others believe that uh, the physical distance away from some of the worst places in the world, that physical distance protected us, thought that uh, these type of things happen over there. They don't happen here. It was such a strange thing. There are many that believed that um, in, in our kind of society, with our laws, with our rules set up, with all of our protection... Certainly, that would have stopped something like this happening. Certainly, there was no possibility of somebody sneaking past security, hijacking a plane and flying it into a tower. Many of us believe that our government agencies or or our enforcement agencies or the FBI or somebody should have known something about what was going on here and, and could have protected us. People, it seemed, put their faith in systems Government, rules, regulations, distance, and while those things are not bad, governments not bad, the rules and regulations are not bad, those things could not completely save us. Immediately following uh, 9-11, people realized that most of the things that we had put our trust in to keep us safe had kind of failed. Ultimately, no government, no organization, no distance, no rules, none of these things could could possibly save. There was this moment following 9-11 that people came to this realization that we actually needed a Savior. We needed somebody who was big enough, strong enough to be able to save us. Churches filled up, people looked for answers, and many people during this time found Jesus. It was amazing to see how many people put their trust in Jesus. But as is usual, it didn't take long for people to begin looking again to the government, to laws and regulations and protection agencies to once again take up the position of our Savior. And people began again to put their faith in everything except for God. And over the last several years, we've seen this tendency exaggerated, particularly around our governments for some reason. We we seem to put a lot of faith and trust in our governments to make everything right. Some believe if this person is elected, then they're going to swoop in and they're going to protect everything that's good and destroy everything that's bad. And, and the story is, is not just a, a left con- story or a right story. It's, it's people from all different parties, all different parties thinking that if we could only elect the right person, of course, my person, the person I think should be elected, and then government would sweep in and, and be our savior again. We'd come into this wonderful time of everything being perfect. Just this last week, Queen Elizabeth II passed away at 96 years of age. And now we have King Charles III taking the throne. And people ask the question now, they wonder, what is the British Empire going to look like with this new monarch? I mean, Queen Elizabeth served for 70 years. That's That's unheard of. Longest reigning monarch. So now what? Now what's going to happen? Uh, For some, maybe even the obsession with the monarchy borders on worshipfulness. You you see it in some of the language we use around her worshipfulness, the queen, or those type of things. The question again comes to us, in whom should we place our faith? In whom should we place our faith? Is there a president— or a prime minister, or a king, or maybe even a dictator, in whom we should trust for our salvation. Well, if the queen was here today, she would tell us exactly in whom to put our faith. Many times she spoke about Jesus. In particular, there was one time when she gave her Christmas address in 2014. Here's what she said. She said, For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Whose birth we celebrate today is an inspiration and an anchor in my life, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. And she said many more things about Jesus. She seemed uh, to speak about Jesus often. It was very exciting to listen to her Christmas messages and see the focus she had on Jesus the Christ. There is nothing in this world that will ever be able to bring you salvation except for Jesus Christ. Many people put their trust in governments. Some people put their trust in incredible wealth. Some in their health. Some in other relationships. There's so many places that you can look to to try to put your trust in. Things that you may think that this thing thing will save me. And while many of these things that we put our trust in are, are good, our government is, is good, are, 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 are the, the money that, that we've been able to earn, it's, it's good. These things are not necessarily evil, but these things are only designed to perform a temporary, temporal function. All these things will ultimately fall short, especially if we're hoping for them to provide for us lasting, eternal salvation. So in whom should we place our trust for salvation? In whom shall we place our trust for salvation? I've already said it's Jesus, but we're looking in the book of Psalms. We've been doing this over the whole summer. We've been journeying through the book of Psalms, and and today we're in a section that is incredibly timely for us. As I read through this section this last week, and as I saw what was happening in the monarchy, I thought this is an incredibly powerful passage for us to look at. We're looking at the last five books of the book of Psalms. And here in Psalm 146, which is the first Psalm that uh, is in this, pa- this part, 146 to 150, is this passage, 146 verse 3, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who, you can't, who, who cannot save it goes on to speak about these: these mortal men and women are, live for only a short little while, and they'll pass away. And then what? So in whom should we trust? Well, as we've been going through the Psalms, our answer, of course, our answer is Jesus, but our answer is built through the Psalms. Do you remember, as we began this journey through the Psalms, what the Psalms were all about? You don't have to answer out loud because I'm going to tell you right now what they're all about. In Psalms 1 and 2, when we read the first two introductory Psalms, the introduction to this great and amazing book, we're introduced to the two themes of the book of Psalms. And the two themes are this. That Psalm 1 speaks about the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man who ponders, who, who sits before, who, who thinks of and honors the law of the Lord. In Psalm 2, we learn that the other theme of the book of Psalms is the anointed Son of God, the coming Messiah. All of the Psalms draw us from loving the law, from a a place of loving the law towards a place of longing for the coming of the Messiah. And here today, we're looking at the final five Psalms, Psalms 146 to 150, which together act as kind of the final chapter of this amazing book. But this is not a normal final chapter. When, when you look at normal books and you read the final chapter, it kind of brings things to a good conclusion, which is great. It kind of draws things down to a close. But the, the final five books of Psalms don't just close off the book. It, look, it causes us to draw our gaze forward to look at what is to come. These five Psalms are often referred to as the Hallelujah Chorus, of the Book of Psalms, referring, referring, of course, to George Friedrich Handel's 1741 orchestral composition called Messiah. I don't know if you know about this. It's it's an amazing thing. If you if you've not had a chance, and it usually comes around Christmas time. If you've not had a chance to sit down and listen to the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, do so. It's an amazing work. Handel's Messiah reflects on the life, the birth, life, death. And resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's probably best known by the Hallelujah Chorus, which comes at the end of Handel's work. So to prepare us, as we step into these five books of Psalms, the Hallelujah Chorus of the book of Psalms, we're going to listen to Handel's work right now. So for those of you that are at home, I don't think you're going to be able to hear this. Uh, so for those of you at home, we we want to make sure we don't get our live stream cut off. So you're going to have to listen to that later. But for those of you that are in the building, let's take a listen now to Handel's Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. Let's hear. So it's not quite the same as if you're there when they're singing out and they've got the thousands of singers and that kind of stuff. But isn't that amazing to sing, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Wow. The last five psalms are hallelujah psalms. Now, if you look in, in most translations of, of the Bible, that the words that are at the beginning, at the end of each of these five psalms are praise the Lord. But, but we lose something there in translation, because in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, that phrase, praise the Lord, is hallelujah. So each of these five psalms begins with hallelujah, which is praise the Lord. It's hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Yah being the shortened form of Yahweh. So the beginning of ending of each of these psalms says, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're not going to go through each of these psalms in depth. I encourage you to read them later. They're, they're short psalms. The longest is 20 verses long. The shortest is 9 verses long. Uh, there are five short psalms you can read in probably about seven and a half minutes, but I encourage you to read through these later. But I want, a couple, I want to make a couple of points for you today, some things to draw your attention to. First, when we were walking through the psalms, we have walked through the story of life. Chapters 1 and 2, like I said earlier, focus the reader on loving the law and longing for the coming Messiah. The whole middle section of Psalms from chapter 3 to chapter 145 represent the ups and downs of life. Praise and lament, breakthrough and hardship, joy and sorrow. No matter what you're going through, you can find the emotional representation of your journey in the book of Psalms. And while you're doing this, while you're finding the emotional representation of your journey, which you'll also find side by side, intermixed with all of that, is the story of God's faithfulness, his provision, his worshipfulness, his grace, and his mercy. Mankind's life journey of ups and downs is met by God's faithfulness and provision, The body of Psalms draws the reader, like I said earlier, towards longing for the coming of the Messiah, the anointed Son of God that we read about in Psalm 2. The Messiah is highlighted throughout the Psalms, leading to these final five Psalms which erupt in praise. You can almost feel feel like a train ride. As you're getting closer to your destination, the train begins to, to push even harder. Here in Psalms, the train's not slowing down. It's beginning to chug even harder. And we hit Psalm 146, and it's like the wheels are just going as hard as they can against the track because they want to erupt in this praise to the Messiah. God and his Messiah are worthy to be praised. And it feels like all of Psalms has been longing for this moment in these last five Psalms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in these last five psalms, there's a progression. When you read this all together, you'll see this pattern and this progression that begins to shape take shape, beginning in Psalm one forty six, that asks the question that we asked at the beginning of our message today: In whom are you placing your trust? In whom are you placing your trust? And it it commends us, Psalm 146 commends us, don't place your trust in princes or in other mortal men whose time is short. Don't place your trust in anything inferior whose time will end. Goodness, 96 years was a long run. 70 years reigning as the queen was a long run, but that time has ended. That time ends. The time of mankind ends. Don't place your trust in temporal things. Place your trust in the Maker of heaven and earth. And as that first psalm asks us that question, in whom are you placing your trust? The next psalm, Psalm 147, begins to answer that question. It says that we we are to put our trust in God, the one in whom we are to place our trust. In the Lord who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It's amazing when we get to Psalm 147, we begin to read this beautiful picture of who God is, what he has done, his magnificence and his glory. But I love that little piece. Psalm 147 says, it's the Lord who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. When you see that, does that all of of a sudden blow your mind? You should start to think, I've seen that somewhere before. I've heard about somebody or someone who heals, who heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. Now, you're going to see this phrase over and over again in reference to the Messiah in the Old Testament. Uh, we see this in Isaiah chapter 61, uh, speaking about the, the, the Messiah that's to come. And, of course, Jesus speaks about the same passage in Luke chapter 4. He quotes Isaiah 61 in, in Luke chapter 4. Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted. Psalm 147 seven convinces us that God and his Messiah are worthy of our trust. They alone are the ones in whom we are to place our trust. And then as we move into Psalm 148, again, there's this, this explosion of praise. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. From the heavens. The psalmist in the first half of of 148 appeals to the heavens and he speaks to the angels, the sun and the moon, the stars, let everything in heaven praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then he focuses his attention to the earth, praise the Lord, hallelujah, from the earth, all you creatures and, and all you created things, mountains, trees, and all the nations, let everything on the earth praise the Lord, hallelujah. There's this abundant, excited, enthusiastic praise that bursts forth from everything on he- in heaven and on earth in Psalm 148. Then it leads us into Psalm 149 that tells the reader that the praise of God is our weapon. It's our weapon. Now, verse 149 of verse 6 is translated differently in different versions. And there is some debate on whether this passage uh, means that... Um, well, I'm going to read this passage to you. Let me read this passage to you. It's Psalm 149, verse 6. And here's the passage in, in the NIV. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Now, different, like I said, different versions um, translate this a little bit differently. In some versions, it, it seems like that the, the psalmist is saying Let them have the praise of God in their mouth and a sword in their hands. That there's two different things. But in other versions, it seems to be saying, let the praise of God be in their mouths and let that be the double-edged sword that's in their hands. And I tend to, to lean on this side of things that I believe that the psalmist is not saying that they should be praising God and holding a sword, but that the praise of God is their sword that God's praise is our weapon. I want to give you a a practical example uh, of this, and, and one from scripture and one from my personal life. When God instructed the Israelites, so all through the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites how to go to war. And when he instructed the Israelites to go to war, do you remember who he placed in the front? It was the worshipers. Do you remember this? The people in the front were supposed to be the ones that had musical instruments, horns and trumpets and those type of things. And they were supposed to be at the front of the battle praising God. Why? Because the battle belonged to the Lord. The battle didn't belong to those who had greater chariots or more swordsmen or more bows and arrows. The battle belonged to those who praised God. And so God led the Israelites to always put the worshipers at the front. Now I'm not sure how they would have felt doing that. I don't know how, if, if, if you are like, you lined up and you're like, I'm signing up for battle, that's great, that's wonderful, we're going to go into battle. What, what kind of instrument do you have? What do you mean? I've got a sword. No, no, no. Do you have a horn? Like, do you play the guitar? Like Are you a drummer? Like, what, what kind of instrument do you have? We're going to put you at the front with nothing but a horn because the battle belongs to the Lord. So I tend to believe that in this passage... The psalmist is speaking about the praise of God being our weapon. The other example I want to give you is from my own personal life. My daughter, who uh, I'm not going to name which daughter, I've got three daughters, but one of them was having difficulty when she was younger sleeping. She had difficulty going to sleep at night. She was fearful. Um, She would wake up in the middle of the night having night terrors. I don't know if you've ever had a child that's had night terrors. It's terrible. They'll wake up screaming and not awake. You go, if you go talk to them, it's almost like they're walking in their sleep. They're screaming in their sleep. But she had such difficulty, she would finally wake up after she had screamed and she would have difficulty going back to sleep. And we had difficulty getting her to sleep at night because she was so afraid. So my wife, who's brilliant, came up with the idea of playing worship music in her room at night. So all night long, we had a little iPod we plugged in and she would listen to worship music all night long as she was sleeping. And so that seemed to work. Soon after we began playing the worship songs at night in a room, the night terrors began to go away. And so I asked my daughter one night. I said, because well, she she seemed to not be as fearful anymore. And so I asked her, you know, is it are you enjoying having the worship songs playing at night? And she said, yes, Dad. The bad men leave because they don't like Jesus music. Not amazing? It's amazing. Our praise, our praise, our praise of God is our weapon against the enemy. So, after Psalm 149 convinces us this, we move into Psalm 150, where we are welcomed to step beyond the earth, beyond the heavens, and we are welcomed into God's sanctuary. And the psalmist says, Praise God, hallelujah, in his sanctuary. Isn't that amazing? Praise God in his sanctuary. Can you imagine the scene of what this would have looked like? Now, I don't know if the psalmist was just speaking of something that he was putting our our minds towards or if he saw a picture of this. But imagine this. We will see this one day. As we are welcomed into the sanctuary of God, we will be able to praise God in his sanctuary. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this is gonna look because already in a couple of the Psalms we've just read, the mountains, the trees, the creatures, all of heaven and earth are praising God. But can you imagine that all now moving into heaven, not into heaven, but into the sanctuary of God, which seems to be another place beyond heaven, the sanctuary of God and praising God in his presence. All the nations gathered together together. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all the peoples gather together and with one voice singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. These psalms, all of them together, but especially at the end here, don't just close off the book of psalms, but they they make us look forward to what is to come. Now for the Israelites at the time when the psalms were written, they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. He has come. He has come and his name is Jesus. Now we continue to look forward because the Psalms don't just end with everybody on earth and everybody in heaven praising the Lord, but everyone in the sanctuary of our God praising the Lord. We get to look forward to that. The story of what Revelation speaks about when all the world comes to an end and we come to the the throne room of our King and we're able to sing hallelujah in his throne room, in his throne room. So I actually want to read through these Psalms. So I've asked a a bunch of of our youth and and teenagers uh, to to read through these Psalms for us. So we're going to read through Psalms 146 to 150. So some of them have been coming up, I think. Um, I'm just looking around, and the teenagers aren't here yet. They're downstairs, but I think they're making their way up. So the kids, kiddos and teenagers, hopefully when they come in, Come sit up in this front row here. They're going to come up and read, uh, read the Psalms for us. As they're preparing to do that, um, <clears throat> we're going to join in with them as they read. So they're going to read these Psalms. And as they finish their Psalm, uh, we're going to say, Hallelujah. Okay? So they're going to read their Psalm. It's going to look weird. They're going to step away. And then we're going to say, Hallelujah. But we don't have to say it all together. Can you imagine the, the scene of heaven as people are in the sanctuary of God yelling out hallelujah? Like it's going to be like almost sound like chaotic, but it's going to be so beautiful. So when they finish the psalm, just yell out hallelujah. And it doesn't have to be at the same time. Just yell out hallelujah, and then we'll get the next person to read theirs. So I don't see teenagers yet. They're just having too much fun downstairs. Are they coming? Oh, yeah. So they're on their way. So our first one is a teenager, so we're going we're gonna to wait. I don't know if I need to sing and dance or what I need to do up here to kind of kill off the time. But uh, and I don't know. Here they are. Okay, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> People are going to see some really crazy things. All right, so come on up here, and they'll be trickling in. So Mackenzie's going to be the first one to read for us. So we'll make sure that your microphone is up. So don't be afraid of the microphone. Step right up there and read out. So this is Psalm 1.
1: Praise the Lord. Let, let all that I am praise the Lord. I will, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will, sing, I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe the last, they return to the earth, and all the plants die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the seas, and everything in them. In, he keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem. Throughout the generations, praise the Lord.
0: All right. So now we've got, we've got Amanda and Sky. You guys can come on up here. You guys can go far. Are you reading the first set? I
1: have no
2: idea.
0: Oh, you don't know. You guys are going back and forth? However you're doing it. Because you guys are both reading that one psalm, right? Oh, yeah, I go first. Awesome. <laughs>
1: Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord
2: The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope his, in his mercy. Pleasure, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out the command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out the hail like morsels who can stand before his cold and sends send out his word and melts them he casts the wind to blow and the waters to flow he declares the world word to Jacob he And his judgments to Israel He has not dealt this with any nation And as for the judgments, they have not known them Praise the Lord
0: All right, Marcus, you're up How do I? Sorry. Step right up here. Hold on. I'm going to try to see. I do need to get it a little higher. How's that? Is that good? Awesome. Yeah.
3: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heavens above. Praise the Lord, all his angels praise him, all his angels in heaven. Praise him the sun and the moon, praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens, praise him you waters above the skies. Let all of let all of them praise the name of the Lord because he gave a command and they were created. He set them over, he set them in a place forever and ever. He gave them the he gave them laws they will always have to obey. Praise the Lord from the earth you great sea creatures in all the depths and all the deepest parts of the ocean. Praise Him lightning and hail and snow and clouds. Praise Him you stormy winds that obey Him. Praise Him all you mountains and hills. Praise Him all you fruit trees and cedar trees. Praise Him all you wild animals and cattle. Praise Him you small creatures and flying birds. Praise him you kings of the earth and all the nations. Praise him you princesses and you princes and rulers on earth. Praise him you young men and young women. Praise him old people and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. His name alone is honored. His glory is higher than the earth and the heavens. He has given his people a strong king. All of all of his faithful people praise him for that gift. All the people of Israel are close to his heart. Praise the
0: Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome. Naomi, now it's you. <laughs> well, you're still growing.
2: Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song is praised in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy in their beds. May the Praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people and bind their kings with fetters and their nobles with shackles of iron to carry the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful hands. Praise the Lord.
0: All right, Lana. Oh, you're perfect.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lair. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
0: Awesome. You guys can go on back to your parents and stuff. Well done. (laughs) Awesome. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Nate, are you guys still doing your Bible study downstairs? So teenagers, you guys can go back downstairs again because they want to finish up with you there. Awesome. And we'll finish up with the adults up here. that will be good. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This summer, the, the psalms have drawn us to hallelujah, to praise the Lord together. And as we close our service, I don't want this moment to just be a Sunday morning, one-hour moment. My prayer for you is that as you go out into your week, you would carry with you the presence of God, that you would hallelujah all week long, recognizing his presence in you, through you, and all around you, knowing that God and his Messiah, Jesus, are the only ones in whom we can place our trust for salvation. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this closing song together, and then I'll come back up for the benediction. So pray with me. Lord, we sing hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are so grateful, God, for your presence. We are so grateful for what you have done for us. You are worthy to be praised. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is nowhere else that we can go for salvation. There is nowhere else we can go to be saved. And so we place our full trust in you. We trust in you, the one who is worthy to be trusted in, the one who is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, our God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, Lord, as as we go from here, God, we go in the full knowledge of your salvation. Lord, I pray now that you would fill everyone here afresh by your Holy Spirit. That as we go out into this week, we would be walking in your presence. And we know, Lord, you've put us onto the battlefield and your praise is our weapon. So, Lord, would you use us this week? Would you bless your church jesus christ bless your church fill them afresh use them this week help us to be reminded to praise the lord help us to be reminded to look to you so we give you honor and glory and praise father son and holy spirit we lift up your name and say hallelujah praise the lord in jesus christ's name amen amen blessings on you church you're dismissed Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.